0: Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week number six. That's right. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Hopefully, everybody had a wonderful college football weekend. We get midweek football this week. SMU-UCF on Wednesday night. Uh, Not going to discuss it here, but obviously, we are open to the Q&A. If you would like to ask a question for the Q&A at the end of the show, you can do so in the chat. Let's go ahead and introduce the experts. Oh, my goodness. We're going to start on the left side today. Parker Fleming, my good sir. At Stats of War on Twitter, the numerical guru, if you will, the analyst of this show. Uh, Parker, tell me about last weekend. Uh, we, you and I both started awful and then got pretty hot towards the end of it. But, uh, but man, those morning slate games kind of took a toll on us last week.
1: I did. I watched the Oklahoma game and I think I blocked out from joy. I just don't, I don't even remember what happened. It was incredible, but um, yeah, a little rebound there. Um, Auburn, Auburn heard what I said and, uh, and made it a little close against LSU, which kind of stuck me at the end of the way. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're, we're cruising through the season, some great games of football. And look, if uh, TCU is a, a seven point dog and they, they win by 30, I'm not going to complain about my picks for the weekend. So I was happy to see that and uh, hopefully we'll get some more good, uh, good games this weekend.
0: You are certainly, certainly right about that. There was a lot to be excited about, for sure, last Saturday. Let's move over to the right side of your screen. Of course, Kyle Hunter, our professional award-winning handicapper, at Kyle Picks on Twitter. Kyle, uh, another good weekend last week, of course, for the numbers. Uh, I mean, we were rocking and rolling for a little while. We, we have slowed down slightly, but I think we're getting a good grasp of things. How did you feel about last week?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I checked uh, some of the scores early in the day. Uh, I, I'm like, wow, this is going to be the day that we come back to earth here in a big way. And then everything turned in the night slate. That was nice. Uh, and these, these half point and one point line moves are starting to piss me off a little bit. But, you know, <laughs> what do you do? There's nothing we can do about it. So, uh, you know, would have been nice to have my 44 on the Wisconsin game there last week. But the lines move. And I, I think the lines move a lot more on Monday and Tuesday than what they have in past years uh, for many reasons. But Hey, uh, nice rebound, and, and uh, we made a little bit even last week, so can't complain too much.
0: You are certainly right about that. With that said, let's go on and hit the picks recap right quick. Uh, what we did last week was 9-8 and eight overall on the day, but after the way that we started, if I'm not mistaken, we were 1-7. and seven after the morning slate and uh, ended at nine and eight. So not too bad. Uh, Overall on the season, I am sitting at 22, nine and one. Parker is 18 and 13. Kyle is 14 and seven. Overall, that is a 54, 29 and one record out of 84 picks. That is over 65% against the number. We are still rolling through week six now. So we are ready to rock and roll. Let's go ahead and remind everybody right quick before we hit the games. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that like button for us. We see quite a few people watching. Not as many people have hit that thumbs up button. As you see on your screen, it looks just like that. So go ahead and make sure that you hit the like and jump into the comments. Jump into the chat as well. I see uh, throw a dog a bone already. Mark, Raphael, Alex, Heath, Nate, Paxton, etc. You guys are all already in and ready to rock and roll. If you want to be a part of the chat, I believe that you have to be subscribed to the channel. So make sure that you do that. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live each and every week. And I'll go ahead and tell you that it's Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I have noticed that as we give out picks on this show, the lines have started to move. So you might want to make sure that you are here live with us. So go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel And that you know when we're going live. Uh, Along with that, the podcast. Of course, if you can't listen live, you might as well go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Actually, I'm going to tell you to do both because that helps us out quite a bit. So subscribe and leave a nice five-star review on whatever your favorite podcast app is. It is called the BetUS Football Show on your podcast feed. So go ahead and check that as well. Gentlemen, uh, no other notes. I believe we are good to go. Let's go ahead and hit the first game of Saturday. We are not going to hit the uh, the weeknight action this week. We've got a lot to discuss, so let's go ahead and dive in. Tennessee heads to Baton Rouge and LSU, a three-point home underdog here. The total sits at 64, latest numbers over at BetUS. Tiger Stadium, even at 11 a.m., I believe, will be rocking. That's 11 a.m. Central Time, God's time zone, of course. Uh, Tennessee, 1-5 and five against the spread in their last six SEC games. Uh they are 4-12 and 12 against the spread against teams with a winning record in the last 16, and they are 3-9 and nine against the spread after a straight-up win. That is uh, not great numbers as far as trends go for Tennessee, but as we have seen with this Vols team, they are kind of rocking. Parker, I want to start with you on this. Uh, we're, we're still trying to figure out the status of the quarterback, Jaden Daniels. It looks like he's going to be good to go, but what do you see out of this Vols team and this Tigers team heading into this Saturday's game?
1: Gary, there's a couple of things that stand out about this matchup that I think are pretty intriguing here. So in terms of EPA per play margin, again, just a per down efficiency basis, I have Tennessee at 24th and LSU at 27th. Very balanced there. Tennessee has a little bit more of a, a split, 16th on offense, 62nd on defense. That makes me a little bit worried about variance, right? When you have a big split on offense and defense like that, that means that a little bit going wrong on the offensive side could mean that this game could get out of control really quickly. Flip side is if your defense has a good game, you could drop 40. So a um, lot, of, lot of uncertainty here with Tennessee just in terms of kind of how they've played this season. Uh, looking at their offense 16th in EPA per pass and their 26th in rush rate over expected. So high volume passing on early downs their 12th in early downs EPA. Extremely explosive offense. LSU's defense has actually been very good um especially when you consider they're 103rd in starting field position opponents are starting drives on average at the 31.1 against LSU and their defense is still allowing an echo rate a quality possession rate of only 50 50- of only 43.9%, which is 50th in the nation. So um, they're fifth on early downs EPA, they're fourth on third and fourth down success where Tennessee struggles a little bit. So I actually really like this LSU defense against this Tennessee offense. I think this is obviously kind of the, the best on best LSU's offense is a little more erratic and Tennessee's defense is um, a little less um, exciting. One thing to watch for uh, LSU is 81st in EPA per pass, 10th in EPA per rush and, um, on offense, on defense, Tennessee is 83rd and 34th. So kind of their strengths and weakness uh, merge together. One thing to keep an eye on is a lot of LSU's run value comes from Jaden Daniels on an RPO, right? Which is going to be not exactly uh, captured in those past statistics. Uh, So a little bit of a split there. Uh, I think that Daniels will have Tennessee's defense on its heels. One thing that Tennessee does really, really poorly is lets teams get opponent uh, or get quality possessions 109th in quality possession rate, but they're eighth at points per quality possession. So they'll let you get a first down inside the 40, but they're gonna stop you to a field goal. LSU is 39th in points per quality possession, averaging 5.00. Can the Tigers finish drives against this Tennessee defense? I think that's gonna be the difference between um, a win and a cover for LSU, or a, a loss for LSU and Tennessee covering here is how well can the Tigers finish drives? I'm a little spooked about what they did at Auburn last week. Um, and they're, they're, a was little just, bit
0: inconsistent. A, let me, let me interrupt you. Yeah, let me, it's it, so Robbie Ashford who has not been able to throw on anybody. Uh, does it worry you at all that? And obviously we, you know, I, I don't believe that you have a pick on this one, but uh, Tennessee is known for throwing the football. Robbie Ashford couldn't throw against air uh, for most of the season. And he came out and put up, what was it, 468 total yards of offense? I mean, he hit over 150 passing yards in the first quarter against LSU last week. Was that just a surprise element, or do you think that Tennessee could have uh, quite a bit of success against that LSU secondary?
1: Well, the thing that I actually think is really interesting, and if you were going to bet Tennessee, here's why. Uh, against against Florida, Hendon Hooker ran for 126 yards on four attempts, so was able to break off a couple long runs. I think LSU got stuck in the pass game because they weren't expecting Auburn to throw a lot. There was one on the broadcast they did a really good job of kind of stopping and showing both of – I think the first big touchdown for Auburn is like third and nine or something. And the safeties – as soon as Ashford took a step up in the pocket, the safeties for LSU immediately collapsed and there was just a dude by himself downfield. So (laughs) I think that there's a little bit more um, matchup intensity, a little bit more scrutiny to Tennessee's offense. I think they'll play that a little differently. So um, that, that is certainly worrisome for LSU, but I think we can explain some of that just between they really thought Ashford wasn't going to take a risk at all and kind of overcompensated. Um, If Hooker can pop off a big run, that, that really, that dimensionality could really make LSU's defense struggle, but um I, I I don't have a strong play here. My numbers would slightly lean towards a Tennessee cover, but I think we've seen three or four versions of this LSU team this year and I am just not sure which one is going to show up. I think there there might be some issues with week to week preparation and and focusy focus and intensity which would would scare me off of a play here.
0: That's I I do agree with you quite a bit on that one. Uh Kyle, we're going to move over to you. An essay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, Kyle, we're going to move over to you on this. Uh as Parker was talking about uh the Offense for LSU is heavily skewed towards the run, but of course, some of that is RPO, et cetera. Well, Tennessee, their run defense, number eight in rushing success allowed uh, over at college football data, uh, you know, Hendon Hooker is fantastic. Number six in QBR nationally. Uh, there's a lot to like about what Tennessee is doing, even with their wide receiver, Cedric Tillman out. Uh, they're still humming. They're still doing their thing. When I look at this, you know, LSU's defense, the numbers are fantastic. I just worry about the strength of schedule that they have faced thus far. Uh, You watch the Mississippi State game for LSU, and they had a lot of uh, special teams um, advantages, we'll say, in that one. And Mississippi State seemed to shoot themselves in the foot quite a bit. I don't know how, uh, how much I can trust LSU at this point. Although I do believe that Matt House is just a fantastic defensive coordinator, it's still very early. In this new coaching era, Kyle, tell me your thoughts on this. You know, LSU is five and one against the spread at home against winning teams. Uh, what do you What
2: do you think about this? one? I mean, I think I would argue that last week's game was even worse, that they only had 3.6 yards per play on offense for LSU. I mean, what happened to their offense in that game? I know Jaden Daniels did have a knee injury, so that would also hurt because their best play on offense this year has really been him running, whether it be uh, the RPO or even just a a scramble out of the pass play. Uh, You know, 85 passing yards last week for uh, LSU on 26 passes. Uh, Just crazy. And then you have uh i thought it was really interesting at the press conference uh brian kelly says jane daniels got to be way more aggressive you know like he is he, he said uh D- daniels has quote paralysis by analysis at times no interceptions but an a dot of 7.0 uh pff score last week of 54 against auburn uh you know that was a that was she was really fortunate to win that game very fortunate Uh, Tennessee had a week off to get ready for this game. It's at LSU, certainly, but it's an 11 a.m. start time. Uh, Certainly not the same playing in Baton Rouge at that time as it would be, you know, a night game or something like that. Uh, I think the key here is LSU's run game versus Tennessee's run defense. Like Gary said, Tennessee 12th in rushing play success rate allowed, uh, 18th in yards per carry allowed. LSU's dependent on the run. I I still don't trust Jaden Daniels throwing the football Uh, I don't think that they're going to get much going passing. Uh, Hendon Hooker has been the best rated quarterback in the SEC. Great in this system, certainly. Uh, He's actually second best rated um, at PFF in the country. Uh, Similar schedules played. Tennessee 13th in yards per play margin. LSU 36th. I'm pretty confident Tennessee is the better team. Uh, But they're laying three points on the road at LSU. And like Gary said, you have no idea which LSU team is going to show up. I don't want to say too many negative things about Tennessee because I know the people in the comments from Tennessee, really they really get fired up, those volunteer fans. Kyle, no, you I'm, can't
1: give in to bullies like that. Say something negative. Hi. you got to stand up to them.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, honestly, uh, guys, I think if I were betting aside, I would take Tennessee, and that's not feeling peer pressure from the comments. Uh, <laughs> I, there are respected people that really like Tennessee a lot in this game, and I know it was two and a half yesterday. It's now three. Uh, my problem is Tennessee had that dud against Pitt, I mean, Tennessee really didn't play very well in that one, and I don't think that has aged very well. So I want to see Tennessee prove it, but my lean would be to the Volunteers.
0: That does make sense. I, I would tend to lean the same way, uh, but it's always terrifying for a team to go to Baton Rouge. Remember, the last time that Tennessee has played in Baton Rouge was in 2010. And at the end of the game, Derek Dooley's volunteers had, I think, 17 players on the field at one point. Uh, they got to do an untimed down. LSU ended up winning on the last play of the game. A- if they allow Tennessee to play with 17 players on the field, yeah, I will absolutely win Tennessee, minus three on this one. Uh, don't think that's going to happen. So no official play on this one. That does move us ahead to Red River. That's right. Texas and Oklahoma. And out of all of the different Big 12 matchups this weekend... There are four of them. Only one is a battle of unranked teams, and that would be Texas and Oklahoma. Who would have thought? I think this is the first time since 1997, uh, 1998, maybe, that uh, Oklahoma is unranked. Uh, good gracious. 65 and a half is your total. Texas is a seven point favorite. Latest line over at BetUS. This is in the Cotton Bowl over in Dallas, Texas. Good gracious. 12 p.m. Eastern Time. It's on ABC. Seems like it's in the same time slot every single year. Not seems. It is. Same time slot every single year. This is part of the uh... – Parker, tell me, is it the State of Texas Fair or the Texas State Fair? What it, is that what it's called?
1: Yeah, it's the Texas State Fair. Yeah, that's got fried foods that you can't even imagine. I, I take that back. If you can imagine it, they have it and it's fried there.
0: You got that right. You got that right. Uh, looking at the overall trends in this, Texas 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six games overall – Oklahoma 4-1 against the spread after a spread loss. Oklahoma is 4-0, 3-1 oh, against the spread in the last four against Texas. Now, all of that Tom Herman as an underdog stuff went away several, several years ago. Uh, but this is a different situation here. Looks like Quinn Ewers is going to be back this week. B. John Robinson is averaging nearly six yards a carry. Texas is number 18 with five 30-plus-yard rushes. Oklahoma's run defense is number 106 in explosive uh, rush rate allowed that's definitely not good. It's Oklahoma defense has looked absolutely abysmal thus far, uh, really over the last two weeks, right? Because they, they seem to shut Nebraska down, and after that, it has been just a disaster. Now we're looking at possibly no Dylan Gabriel. Uh, they haven't really given a whole lot of updates, but it looks like he is not going to play this week. You got to wonder what Jeff Lebby can do with Davis Bevel in a week because last week he was hoarded. Uh, probably going to see a lot more Eric Gray, which is maybe a good thing because he's averaging about seven yards per rush. Uh, Kyle, I want to start with you on this. The Oklahoma defense is number 75 PPA per pass, number 102 PPA per rush. I I would tend to believe that Xavier Worthy and Bijan Robinson are going to have just field days against this defense. Is Oklahoma going to have a way to keep up in this game, maybe?
2: Well, I mean, like you said, you would expect Oklahoma to run the football more, but I think that plays to the strength of the Texas defense. Texas' run defense has impressed me quite a bit so far this year. Uh, you know, I think that Oklahoma offensively uh, has been pretty good throughout the year, but without Gabriel, it'd be a massive drop down. Uh, Texas with Ewers definitely has a higher upside. Uh, Card has played pretty well, but I think Ewers gives them that uh, vertical threat. Uh, you know, you get downfield with some of those really good wide receivers, you you really can open up the run game as well. Bijan Robinson, I expect him to break some really big gainers in this one. I really couldn't believe the score when I looked at the scoreboard last week and saw the TCU Oklahoma contest. Like that was really something else. And then I go back and watch some of that game. Oklahoma, is just a major defensive miscommunications. Guys completely in the wrong spot. Uh, I know uh, Venables is a great defensive mind. It's surprising to see them have two really bad games in a row uh, defensively. So do we count on them to, to bounce back here? Oh, man, I, that's really tough to, to assume. I think Texas, if you look at their, their uh, talent level on offense, I mean, they got some great skill position talent. Texas, uh, you know, the joke is always whether Texas is back or not. But really, Texas does have a very good team. Their upside's very high. Uh, if I was betting a side here, I would bet Texas – I think the total's right about spot on. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard for me when we don't know whether Dylan Gabriel's going to play, but I know there's enough of a question uh, that, that I would be interested in probably laying the points here about it.
0: I, I would certainly tend to lean that way. By the way, the last time that Texas was a favorite over Oklahoma was 2009, uh, and they pushed. They were a three-point favorite in that game. Before that, it was 2006, uh, and they did cover um, – they went 2 0 one the last three times they were favorite. So, uh, Parker, you know, looking at this matchup, I, you, you'd think the total uh, would go over with the way that these two offenses have been rolling, but without Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, how much of a shot does Oklahoma really have in this spot?
1: Yeah, I think that with, with Gabriel even limited in practice, I think that Oklahoma's gonna have some serious issues this weekend. No, it was 34 to 10 when Gabriel went out last week. So he went out and there's probably some second half mojo that, that Levy can cook off cook up and maybe cut into that lead a little bit. But I mean, it's it's not like this was a close game and then Oklahoma, you know, um, had a quarterback injury and then and then the game changed. This this game was a, a blowout from the start. And I think that we've seen some sloppy play from Gabriel and we've seen uh gray run really really well but their selection of when to run him hasn't been that great they're 51st in rush rate over expected um and they're, they're 36th in offensive success rate 26 in ru- uh, rushing and 26 in EPA per rush. So I imagine they'll run the ball a lot, but if they can't pass that lets Texas stack the box, that lets Texas uh really kind of emphasize the run defense and and, and really trust their corners to to clean up corners and safeties to kind of clean up if if OU does try to go downfield. Um that being said, OU's offense is not the scariest unit. Here at all, their defense is 96th in success rate allowed, 51st in EPA per pass, 68th in EPA per rush. One of the most, um, you know, one of the most glaring stats about this defense: they're 26th in quality possession rate. So only 40% of opponent drives have been into quality possession, but they're 116th in points per quality possession, 5.50. So they are they are getting murdered by big plays. They're getting bur- murdered by letting teams score uh, touchdowns. We saw that Texas Alabama game a couple weeks ago where Texas kicked, what, four field goals in a game? They were a 21-point dog. I don't know if Sark will be that conservative again. I think that Texas can generate opportunities well, 18th and in quality possession rate, and they can finish drives pretty well, even with those field goals. They're 45th in points per quality possession. So on the offensive side, I think that Texas's explosive power, you you know, if they get yours back, all the better, um, really puts this uh, Oklahoma defense in conflict, and that is not something that this Oklahoma defense handles well at all. And uh, on offense, even... Even if Gabriel's back, I think that they've had a couple weeks of sloppy offensive play. I mean, the turnover to start the game last week against TCU was was a a thrown fumble, basically. Gabriel put in a position where... Uh, uh, you know, the defender had, had the ball basically. And so um, I, I really think this OU team has got some soul searching to do. It is a matchup. Uh, that's a, that's a rivalry. It's a big game, but if Gabriel doesn't play, or if Gabriel's limited in practice this week uh, that combined with this defense, I, I like Texas um, and, and, and the points here as a favorite, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me because I bet them as a dog, I bet against them as a dog and they upset me. Maybe they'll do it again, but um, I, I I'm pretty comfortable with Texas and seven points here this weekend.
0: Let's go ahead and make it official. Parker is going to ride with the Longhorns to cover the seven against Oklahoma this weekend. Uh, Should be an interesting ballgame. Definitely an interesting ballgame. But it does move us along to another Big 12 matchup, which appears to be the biggest in the conference thus far on the season. College game day heads to Lawrence, Kansas, and the Jayhawks, a seven-point underdog at home to the TCU Horned Frogs. That's right. The total is 67 and a half here. Uh, good gracious, Lawrence, Kansas is going to be absolutely off the walls. 12 p.m. Eastern time on FS1 on Saturday. Guys, uh, this TCU offense, I mean, we just got done talking about it a little bit, absolutely rolled Oklahoma last week. The offense has not slowed down since a, a slower first half against Colorado to begin the season. Uh, since then, it has been all roses, my friends, all roses. Duggan leads of the country in average yards per catch and QBR. And on the other side, Iowa State kind of showed how to defend Kansas last week. Kyle, I want to start off with you. Uh, Jalen Daniels kind of got put in a box last week. I'm curious your thoughts
2: on this one. Yeah, I mean – it's it's hard to believe tech, TCU started the way they did against Colorado, and here they are. You know, I, I watched the first half of that game, but it, it certainly looked like um, Duggan should have been one, the one starting all along. Uh, amazing performance for TCU last week, and Duggan has been really good. Uh, his numbers are just tremendous. I like some of the plays that they're calling. It's very uh, innovative. Uh, you know, they're not uh, predictable on offense. Kansas with that ugly win over Iowa State. The Jayhawks have been my favorite story of the season so far this year. I really like rooting for them. Five and 0, team out a win total of two and a half. Jalen Daniels is definitely the real deal. Uh, I have some stats, though, that make me think that Kansas is probably due for some regression. Uh, Kansas is 60% on the season on third down conversion attempts, 60%. They're 22 out of 26 scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, just insane stuff. you know this is not the LSU offense with Burrow and Chase and those guys uh, from a few years ago. There's no way they're going to keep up this percentage. Uh, they're a good team, but they're not quite as good as they look right now. Uh, TCU, I, I think is is probably better than most people expected coming into the season, but we knew that they had upside potential, a high ceiling. And um, this is a TCU offense that I think is going to score a lot of points in this game. It would surprise me a lot. If Kansas stops them here on the other side, how much will Kansas score? If I were going to bet aside, I'd bet TCU. I'll say that I, I hate that it's gone from the six to the seven here, key number, but I do want to mention the total, a total in the upper sixties with two teams that are kind of playing, not very fast, Kansas, much slower than an average team. You would want to suggest an under, but you look at the efficiency of the two teams on offense, man, it'd be really hard to take an under in this game. I mean, I'm not betting over. But uh very tricky bet on the total based on how efficient both offenses are. I think they probably will both score quite a bit. But like I said, I think at this point, Kansas is a great story. I think they're still going to be pretty good the rest of the season. But, uh, you know, the the market has probably gotten high enough on Kansas at this point.
0: Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. And I'm, I'm just curious in the chat, uh, all of you guys that are listening to the show, paying attention, I'm curious how many of you – actually believe that Kansas will will win this game is what I want to know because I've seen a lot of TCU love on this. Um, Parker, I want to move it over to you. Kansas lost their second most valuable player on offense. Um, the running back, Daniel Hyshaw, was number two in total PPA on the team. Uh, he is now out for the season. That, I would imagine, has to hurt a little bit, but Neil uh, has done a pretty good job at backing him up. Uh, Sonny Dykes calling plays against the number 112 PPA per drive defense. Yikes. Uh, Iowa state shot themselves in the foot last week against Kansas. Uh, I wonder how much of this emotion, the fact that it is an early game, uh, does that help or hurt? I mean, there's so many different things going around here. Uh, TCU three and seven against the spread, the last 10 against Kansas. Those were against bad Kansas teams. And I wonder how much of that was Gary Patterson. Just maybe not fully wanting to just blow them out. Right. Some of that maybe had to do with that. Cause some of those spreads were really big. Uh Parker, let's, let's move it over to you. I'm curious what you think about TCU in this spot here.
1: Yeah, I certainly have no comment on the um, desire to cover the spread or to blow out a team of the past TCU administration, <laughs> but I will say that last week it did appear that an early star did not face TCU and they had their morning um, coffee. I think that the thing about Kansas and where we can be kind of college football fans and smart college football investors is to realize that good stories don't mean that you go 12 and 0 undefeated and win a national championship every year. Remember guys, Rudy had one play at the end of the game and it really didn't mean that much, right? We can have good stories that don't mean you're the best team in the history of college football, Kansas. If they go, um, Oh, and seven to end the season, they've still done an amazing job and are still an amazing story, extremely fun. And they've earned the game day that they're getting this weekend. They are very, um, They are lacking on defense, on the defensive side of the ball. I have them at 10th in EPA margin, raw, um, but they are fourth in offensive EPA, 72nd in uh, defensive EPA, 82nd in EPA per pass. Let me tell you with the TCU Horned Frogs in their fifth-ranked EPA per pass coming in. That is extremely worrisome to me. Also because TCU has Kendra Miller, um, who can break off multiple you know, multiple big runs, and, and Imari De Mercado has, has, has done really well in the ground game as well. TCU's fourth in EPA per rush, and they're 13th in rushing success rate on offense. I think this TCU offense is going to be able to do whatever they want against Kansas. And um, you're correct. Iowa State did show uh, an example of how to beat Kansas. Iowa State beat themselves last week. I, it's still appalling to me that um, Matt Campbell cannot figure out special teams, but they, they uh, entirely self-inflicted wounds there for Iowa State. They bottled up this offense, and the key there for me is they held Kansas to just three for 10 on um, late downs, on third and fourth downs. Kansas' offense is 583 percent success rate on third and fourth downs this season that is where they've cleaned up that's where having a mobile quarterback like Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal really helps so a passing situation if your read's not open you can run if it's a short power situation Devin Neal or his can get it I think there's some regression coming for the third and fourth downs TC's defense has been um pretty okay, 35.5% uh, percent third and fourth down success rate allowed. And so I don't think that, uh, I, I believe that TCU and Joe Gillespie on defense will be able to kind of bottle up this Kansas offense, especially on those late downs and um, and and just be able to pull away here. So I'm gonna take the Horned Frogs. I like the high volume passing on offense. I like the rushing floor that they have on offense. Kansas' defense, I don't think has really faced a competent offense. Um, that Houston win I think looks worse and worse as the season goes on. I really think a lot of people put stock in that. And, um, this is by far the best offense that Kansas has seen the most experienced offense. And don't forget TCU, 82% returning production that matches Kansas's, but TCU is by uh, far and away the third most talented team in the, in the big 12, just in terms of roster composite, they are not, not to the level of OU and Texas, but very much above the level of everyone else and very much above the level of Kansas. Um, I, I think this is the spot where TCU could win this by two scores just because they can score so much. And with Hishaw out and the, um, and the defense on Kansas, I I I really like this spot for the Horned Frogs. I'm going to go with TCU and the seven points.
0: I like what you're thinking here. I am going to also roll with TCU to cover the seven. Uh, liked it more at six. That's what I bet it at. I still like it at seven. Anything under ten, I feel like I would roll with TCU on this. Uh, yeah, I feel like you were t- still in my notes here. TCU number 41 roster <laughs> string. Kansas number 86 here. Um, it's. The only thing that worries me is the emotional letdown spot, but because game day is coming, because it has become such a big ranked matchup, I don't think TCU has the issue with like an emotional letdown spot here. Uh, so I would look for TCU to come out just guns blazing and uh, and put up quite a few points on that Kansas defense. I do think Jalen Daniels will be able to put up points, but uh, the the total there, 67.5, probably going to stay away from that. So making it, uh, making it official. Gary and Parker, myself and Parker, both like TCU to cover the seven. Now, let me remind everybody, go ahead and jump in the chat for the Q&A at the end of the show. If there are any games that we have not discussed or that we will not discuss, uh, you can toss them in there. We will try and hit it in the Q&A at the end of the show. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. If you can't listen to us live, you might as well go back and listen to the podcast. Very easy to do. It's the BetUS Football Show on any of your favorite podcast apps. And make sure and leave a nice five-star review. As far as liking the video, you guys have done a magnificent job already, but let's go ahead and get some more. We're up to 134. Let's go up to 150. You know what? We can shoot for 200 because we got a little while to go here. Let's go on and get to 200 on that. And, of course, make sure that you are back here tomorrow for the Part 2 version of this. We'll hit the night slate tomorrow. So, if you got any questions about night games and whatnot from this weekend, make sure and jump back tomorrow. All right, gentlemen, we're moving over to the SEC now. Arkansas. Heads to Starkville, Mississippi, and the Bulldogs are an eight-point favorite, total of 61.5, of course, latest numbers over at BetUS. Davis-Wade Stadium was rocking against Texas A&M last week. I would imagine it'll be the same even at 11 a.m. Central Time on the SEC Network. Arkansas won this matchup last year, 31-28. to 28. Uh, Arkansas is 7-3-1 in their last 11 on the road, 7-3-1 against the spread on the road. Mississippi State, 5-1 and one against the spread against teams with a winning record in their last six in that position. Uh, you look at what Mississippi State's done in the last four games against Arkansas, 3-1 and one against the spread. However, Arkansas has won the last two, including their most recent trip to Starkville. That was in Mike Leach's first year. That was in Sam Pittman's first year. Uh, since then, things have kind of turned for Arkansas quite a bit, but State, on the other hand... Defense has been absolutely magnificent under Zach Arnett. I bring him up almost every week. We seem to talk about these guys frequently. Um, Weakness for them is against the run. Of course, we know that Arkansas likes to run the football. Well, the question for Arkansas this week is whether or not KJ Jefferson is going to play in this game. Now, we haven't seen a lot of Malik neighbors. We haven't seen a lot of really anything uh, out of that offense other than KJ Jefferson. KJ Jefferson. And last week, uh, potential concussion, I guess, or possible concussion against Alabama late in the game. Uh, I think he came back in for a little bit, then went back out. Uh, we're not sure exactly what's going on there. They haven't really given a whole lot of information and, uh, and I don't blame them. But if they do uh, play KJ Jefferson, can he find reliable wide receivers against this Mississippi State defense? Or can they find a way to run the ball successfully over and over and over again? Because I would imagine State with that 335 defense will have a few more guys in the box to slow down KJ Jefferson and make him beat them. We're gonna roll this one with Kyle first. Uh, the last nine years six of these games were decided by one score now you've got a uh, you got an eight point spread here Kyle I mean what are you what are you seeing with this one?
2: Well first I'm kicking myself that I didn't take Mississippi State when it was you know below seven honestly yeah that was definitely a good grab. Uh, Mississippi State committed 13 penalties last week to Am's three and still won by 18. now Texas AM did turn it over. Uh, four times and haynes king came in and turned it over a couple times in the fourth quarter uh you know 6.9 yards per play for mississippi state against texas a&m defense i think is a really impressive showing will rogers looked tremendous in that game the arkansas defense i mean guys what a major liability they're worse than i thought they were uh gary knows this His alabama team with uh without their star quarterback just running all over them you know just uh And not that Alabama's not a talented running game, but still, just a terrible look when you're getting 15, 20 yards every single play when they knew the run was coming, right? I mean, it was good. They were gonna run the football and they still couldn't stop them. And really, you know, I would have thought that their biggest weakness would be the secondary without Catalan, and really, you know, they've been just as bad, if not worse, against the run than they have against the pass. So uh, I have major concerns about this Arkansas defense in general. Um, zero confidence in Arkansas, even slowing down Mississippi State in this game. I think Mississippi State scores just about as many points as they want. How many will Arkansas score really is the question to this handicap. Without knowing the status of KJ Jefferson, it is kind of hard to know. I will say uh, if Jefferson has uh, what they call mild symptoms at this point and did have any kind of concussion, we've seen the, the Tua thing and how that's played out. Uh, I would hope that Jefferson doesn't play if he's having some symptoms here. And I would think that even things that have happened recently would make it less likely he would play if he has a a questionable as far as a concussion. Uh, You know, as far as this one, I I think also should be mentioned, Arkansas is really bad on special teams. They've had some major special teams issues all year. Uh, I think Mississippi State has a pretty big edge there. We don't have it up yet because team totals don't come out yet. But what I like best in this one is Mississippi State team total over. So when that's available, I'm going to be – week, I would also lean to Mississippi State minus the points. And that – I mean,
0: I'm, I'm right there with you. Right there with you. Parker, I want to take it over to you. Um, I Will Rogers and company, at number 47 PPA per pass. Uh, but they averaged six yards per rush against A&M. They have started to run the ball quite a bit more – Uh, What do you see out of this matchup here? I I, I like what uh, Will Rogers does. My gracious, if I can talk straight for a second. Uh, I like Will Rogers. I like what they do, but they're not a super explosive passing game. I think they'll be able to do that against Arkansas's defense. I think they'll be able to do pretty much whatever they want to against that defense, exactly like Kyle was talking about. Parker, how do you feel about it?
1: When we talk about Arkansas, every time I bring up the Cincinnati game and just talk about how there were opportunities, there were indicators that Arkansas secondary was going to have some issues this year and Cincinnati couldn't take advantage of them. Looking back, it looks more and more like Arkansas was very lucky to, to, to pull that game out. Um, uh, Mississippi state's offense does a lot of high volume passing, but you know, I've got to remember we can adjust for rushing and pass splits and selection and, and context so much, but they're going to be doing a lot of short passes that are effectively runs that, that other teams would be running in that situation. So when you see that high success rate in pass, Passing, they're 20th in in success rate on pass, 49.1%. They're 57th in EPA per pass, so a lot of that is because some of those are runs and those are lower, you know, those are lower ceiling plays that they're moving the ball forward. They're fifth in EPA per rush and they're first in rushing uh, uh, rush rate over expected. That tells me they're really good at deploying their their run game. They really are going to make sure that you're spread out, and then they're going to run and be able to take advantage of that. Third in points per quality uh, possession. And uh, 17th in field position for Mississippi State, so I, I do see them getting a lot of opportunities. I do see them scoring. Arkansas, um, without KJ Jefferson, is 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 a worrisome team. With him, they're 54th in EPA per pass, 29th in EPA per rush. 51st in quality possession rate. One thing that Arkansas has been um, able to do well is consistently move the ball on third downs. They're 31st in fourth and thir- third and fourth down success rate. Mississippi State's defense is 12th in third and fourth down success rate. So I think that we'll see, especially with Jefferson out, a lot more early down rushing, although they are 111th in rush rate over expectation, but a lot more early down rushing, a lot less explosiveness in the run game from Arkansas. Rocket Sanders is leading the SEC in total EPA uh, on rushes. KJ Jefferson is just behind him I think at third or fourth and so those two guys together I mean can get you a lot of value but if you take away the the Jefferson dimensionality you're either going to have to run Sanders more and then he's going to be less efficient or you're going to have to pass more and that hasn't gone well uh, for Arkansas generally they're 64th in pass rate uh, in 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 successing pass uh, passing success rate good <laughs> and then uh, so finally the the one thing that comes to me Arkansas 0.238 in EPA per pass defense they you can pass against this team Mississippi State is going to pass against this team I think this could be one of the more fun death by a thousand cuts, like traditional old school Mike Leach games. We're just going to get it to our athletic receivers. We've got a surgical quarterback. We're just going to chip away at your pass defense until we can hit the big strike. And I think they'll hit it early and often. I like this at three. I like this at six. I got, I got it a couple of you know jumped really big because it looks like KJ Jefferson isn't going to play. Although Sam Pittman did say that he didn't say that KJ Jefferson was in the concussion protocol, but also he didn't say that KJ Jefferson wasn't in the concussion protocol. So some coach speak there. But either way, I think Mississippi State's passing offense and Arkansas's passing defense is such a such a mismatch that the Bulldogs should be able to do almost whatever they want offensively against Arkansas. Give me the Bulldogs at home to cover.
0: I like it. Let's make it official. Parker is going to ride with the Bulldogs, the fight in Mike Leach's to cover the eight against Arkansas this weekend. Moving along, we've got a couple of games that we're probably not going to spend as much time on. But that's okay. Uh, let me go ahead and remind everybody, do hit that like button for us, if you would so kindly. Uh, we're moving on to Akron at Ohio. Now, I know this is the matchup that everybody has been waiting to hear about. Ohio, an 11-point favorite at home in Athens. The total sits at 59 and a half. Of course, the latest numbers over at BetUS. Peden Stadium in Athens, Ohio. This is a 2 p.m. Eastern time game on ESPN3. Uh, gentlemen, I look at this. Uh, Parker, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, Akron coming off of a bye week after losing 31 to 28 at Bowling Green, this Joe Moorhead offense is somewhat competent, which is something that we have not seen out of Akron in quite some time. Ohio, on the other hand, has ditched the running game. They are running less than 35% of the time. Give me some quick thoughts on, on this matchup here.
1: Yeah, very briefly. My numbers actually have Ohio here very slightly. I have them about 12, 12 and a half. So with with slightly lean Ohio, but don't have a play on Mac games, don't have a play on G5 favorites at home, uh, especially with the bye week. Uh, I will just say there, there are four units in this game. Offense, defense uh, for both Akron and Ohio. Akron's offense, 112th in EPA defense, 124th. Ohio's defense, 128th. Ohio's offense, 46, driven almost entirely by some, some rushing success and a couple explosive passes have really pulled that up there. Um, Ohio, I think, is um, slightly more explosive on offense, but again, a, a week of game prep with Coach Moorhead, I mean, I think anything's the game here. Um, so slightly in towards Ohio with the, just the, the basics of the efficiency, but game situation here, I, I, I could go either way.
0: Sounds, uh, sounds all right. Sounds all right. 12 and a half, you say, somewhere around there? Not bad. Uh, we'll move it over to Kyle. Now, looking at this, coaching mismatch maybe a little bit. Joe Moorhead against Tim Albin. Uh, it should be entertaining for sure. At, when you look at some of the trends here, Kyle, Ohio won this 34-17 to 17 last year, but Akron is 5-2 and two against the spread against Ohio in the last seven. They are 4-1 against the spread in Athens. This is a bit of a rivalry game with both of them, of course, being from the same state. They're not too far away from each other. Uh, how are you feeling looking at this one with uh, with Akron and Ohio?
2: I love that you picked this game out, Gary. I know the people in the chat figure that this is my play. It's actually not my play. Uh, a sicko special. If we have one today, this is <laughs> this is it. Um, Ohio had a misleading final score last week. They, they went to overtime against Kent State, but they allowed 36 first downs, more than 700 yards. There's nothing to be encouraged about about Ohio's defense. This defense has been really bad. They allowed 9.4 yards per play against Fordham a couple of weeks ago. Fordham probably should have beaten them. Just a crazy, crazy game. I, You know, I'm old enough to remember that Ohio used to have a good defense, like year in and year out, and that that wasn't that long ago. But those days are long gone at this point. Uh, Akron coming off that feisty performance where they were edged out by Bowling Green. There aren't a lot of great things to say about Akron, so I'm not going to pretend that you know <laughs> I can say something great about Akron. But uh, Moorhead's a good coach. I think he'll improve this team throughout the year. So, uh, you know, you, if you want to buy low, I think Akron's a team that you might want to try to buy low on. Rourke's a really good quarterback for Ohio, and that's basically what they have. They have Rourke, who's a playmaker. Uh, I think they'll get their points. I think Akron will score here as well. My lean would be the over. Uh, why would you want to lay doubles with Ohio against anybody, though? I mean, I, I, I don't know why you'd want to lay double digits with Ohio. I'm afraid to bet this one big based on my lack of trust in Akron. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to bet some pizza money on the zips here in this one to go along with it.
0: I like it. Yes, I am going to roll with Akron on this one to cover the 11. Uh, opened at 12. I bet it at 11 and a half. It is now 11. It continues to go down a little bit. Official play for me is Akron plus 11. Look, Akron outgained Liberty. They put up 400-plus yards on Bowling Green. Uh, They've had multiple opportunities to to get some wins here, and I would imagine that Joe Moorhead is fired up about this one, especially coming off of a bye week. He knows that Ohio defense. He's going to be able to put up some points there. Interesting nugget on this. Both defenses are top 50 in stuff rate, but overall their rushing defenses are bottom 30. I mean, they are really, really bad. So the fact that their stuff rate is decent uh, definitely intrigued me. I don't exactly know what it means yet uh, because the, the the strength of schedule is just drastic, right, between who they've played and, and some of the bigger teams that they've gotten beat by. Uh, the PPA margin, by the way, in this one, Ohio number 130, Akron number 125. It, it, that's taking out week one in this one uh, that's just over the past four weeks. So something to pay attention to. I think Akron is a live dog here. I'm going to take them plus the 11. I don't know that I'm going to put any money line juice on this one, but it wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me. Just saying. All right, moving along, another one that uh, we might not spend a whole lot of time on, but still intriguing. It's another in-state battle. Georgia Southern heads to Georgia State, of course, down to Center Park Stadium in Atlanta, the former uh, Turner Stadium, of course, where the Braves played. Georgia State won this one last year, 21-14. This year, Georgia State favored by three at home. The total is 68. Of course, the latest line's at BetUS. It's 2 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN3. And looking at this, now, I'm, I'm going to start with you, Parker. Georgia Southern's offense with Van Treese is number eight in passing yards per game. But 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, the running back, Jalen White, is averaging over six yards a carry here. He's got seven touchdowns. Georgia State had a... Just rough gamut to start with. I mean, South Carolina, North Carolina, Charlotte, Coastal. Charlotte, you could question, but obviously they can sling it around a little bit whenever Chris Reynolds is in there. They were in every one of those games. Now, they whipped Army last week. Uh, They had uh, 6.5 yards per carry on 46 rushes against Army's defense. At Granger, on the season, only 56% completion percentage. Both teams are good on offense, bad on defense. Uh, What are you seeing in this matchup?
1: i initially thought that i would go with georgia state as a pick um just kind of beforehand and then ran my numbers and actually have georgia southern favorite all right um so fun uh, fun when the numbers are different than kind of your preconceived <laughs> notions here but i think that um i like georgia southern they're, they're they're seventh in rush rate over expected so they're passing the ball a lot 50th in epa per pass 20 second in passing success rate so high volume Early downs passing, very, very efficient. I really think that that is what's kind of the difference for me here. Uh, Big stat for me on on fourth downs there, uh, third and fourth downs there, sixth in the nation in efficiency. Georgia State is 98th. Um, So definitely would, would... Almost expected a Kyle over here just because both of these defenses are so bad, but there is a little bit of a disparity between pace with Georgia State rushing so much and Georgia Southern passing so much. So don't have an official play. Maybe maybe pizza money on on uh, Georgia Georgia Southern here as a dog just because I have them favored outright. But there is a huge discrepancy in strength of schedule, and even if you adjust for that, you know, that that, that might not be enough to overcome it. So don't have an official play here. Uh, clash of styles on offense and, and, uh, and a clash of styles in terms of pace for sure should get pointy.
0: And let's move it over to Kyle. Uh, Georgia State number 38 PPA per drive on offense against Georgia Southern number 126 PPA per drive defense. That's over the last four weeks. Uh, Kyle, how are you looking at this one?
2: Yeah, I'm going to take Georgia State in this one. I think Georgia State was a preseason darling. They had a season win total of seven and a half. Then they started the season 0-4 against the spread uh, before just shellacking Army last week in a revenge spot from where they got beat down last year. I think Georgia Southern was rated too lowly in the preseason by just about everybody, myself included. Uh, They're a nice story, and they've had a very real chance to win there last week against Coastal for sure. Uh, The offensive system is working, but there's two keys to my handicap here. First, I want to buy low on Georgia State. I think they are a well-coached team and a team that is pretty good. They have uh, quite a few veteran starters on this team. Georgia Southern's inability to stop the run this year really would concern me here. Uh, Georgia Southern, 123 yards per carry allowed this year, and Georgia State's going to run the football consistently. 65% run plays so far this year. I think they'll probably run it even more than that in this game. And if you look at it, really, Georgia State has three good running backs, and Darren Granger is a really good runner at, at quarterback as well. So uh, I don't expect them to throw many passes in this game. On the other side, Georgia Southern, I think they'll move the ball pretty well here in this one. Kyle Van Trees, though, a whopping 12 turnover worthy plays in his last three games. I mean, so just some major mistakes uh, by Van Trees. And if the other team's so uh, efficient in the run game and you're going to turn it over several times and that would concern me quite a bit uh, I think Georgia Southern is much better than expected I think Georgia State is worse than expected but the Panthers aren't getting enough respect in this number in my opinion based on the true talent level so especially given the matchup advantages they have here I'm going to take Georgia State if this was two and a half it was still two and a half it went to the key number of three but I'm still going to take the Panthers here in this one
0: I like it. Uh, the trend does favor you. The favorite in this matchup, 4-0 and against the spread in the last four. Uh, Georgia Southern is 7-1 against the spread their last eight. Um, but, man, Georgia State is 9-1 and against the spread after a straight-up win like they had against Army last week. So, yeah, trends do favor you in this one. Let's make it official. Kyle is going to ride with Georgia State to cover the three at home. I like it. Uh, reminders, of course, like the video. We are we are right there. We're almost to 200. I bet we can get to 250 by the end of this thing because we got a few more games to hit and we got Q&A. Go ahead and hit that like button for us if you've not done so already. And if you haven't, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. We are reaching for 10,000. We are getting closer and closer. I think that's the goal now. Uh, we hadn't really discussed that, guys. Uh, maybe we need to, but I, I think that we're going to be able to hit 10,000 this season. We're pretty excited about that. First off, thanks all you guys that are in the chat. I mean, George, Arbone, Frank. Julius, Raphael, Arbon, It's a, I think I said Arbone twice. Regardless, you guys are fantastic. Thank you for being here. Thank you for always joining us on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and for liking the videos and subscribing and hitting the notification bell, etc. You guys know we do this every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Now, moving along, we got a big one in the Pac-12. There's no way around this. There's no way to hype it up any more than it's already been hyped. Utah, four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in the Rose Bowl at UCLA. The total sits at 65, latest numbers, of course, over at BetUS, and at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox is when this game is happening. Pasadena, I wonder if, now that we have a ranked matchup, if we can get the UCLA fans out to the Rose Bowl for this one. It's not too early, it's not too late, it's the perfect time slot, should be able to get some people out there for this one. DTR may have had the game of his life against Washington last week. I mean, just a 40-32 win that was not even that close. It was 40-16 to at one point uh, late in the second half on that. This UCLA offense with the running back Charbonnet is just humming. But the question here is against who? Now, Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Uh, they're number 62 in PPA per drive defense. Will that be able to slow down Utah? Uh, Kyle, I'm curious your thoughts here. <laughs>
2: so if you just gave me a preseason look at utah and ucla i'd be telling you i want to bet utah in this game but the line doesn't allow me to bet utah i will say this one opened uh correct me if i'm wrong i think this opened shorter than minus three it was like utah minus one and a half or two or something like that uh this one has steamed right through the three and i have to say that to me seemed a little bit off to open that short because washington was minus three uh, are you telling me that Washington and Utah are the same? I mean, Utah is definitely a better team than Washington overall. So I think it makes sense that this one did move up. I would want to bet Utah, but like I said, four and a half is a really tough number. Uh, Utah hasn't played a really tough schedule, but it's tough compared to what UCLA has played. Uh, 132nd in SOS at Sagarin for UCLA. Um You know utah wasn't terribly impressive to be honest last week they had a pick six and four turnovers forced against uh oregon state that made the game just edge over the total when i had the under last week uh you know, not really Utah's offense being amazing. It was more chance no one just throwing them the ball. Uh, about 900 yards of offense in last year's contest between these two. And UCLA was an unbelievable 7-for-9 on fourth down in the game between these two last year. 7-for-9. I mean, you almost never see that. <laughs> Utah was 8-of-12 on third down. So we had some really good efficiency in the in the late downs. UCLA, super impressive last week, certainly. UCLA defense is weak against the pass. Can Cam, Cam Rising be protected? Well, they did get to Pennix last week uh, with the pass rush. So uh, if Rising can be protected, I do think that Utah would win this game. I want to bet the under because I think Utah will slow this game down. But it's honestly really hard to take a Pac-12 under. And UCLA is 16th in tempo. Uh, I really don't have a play that I love that much on this one, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I looked at all of that from last week. You know, Utah uh, situational play was fantastic. And Oregon State, I mean, four turnovers. And yet, what worries me about this is the fact that, one, uh, Cam Rising had to basically carry the running game by himself last week uh, because nobody could get anything done against that Oregon State defense. And two, Oregon State outgained Utah by, by quite a bit last week. So, yeah, Cam Rising is fantastic. And, yes, uh, Utah, of course, we know that this team is good. UCLA is, I'm very curious on. Like I want to bet UCLA so bad in this spot, and I'm probably going to have a little bit of pizza money on them because my numbers, just based on this season, have them even adjusted for opponent, have them favored in this game. Uh, but, it, I mean, we're talking like a point, so it's nothing crazy. Regardless, uh, Parker, let's, let's move it over to you. You know, Utah is 6-0 against the spread against winning teams. UCLA, however, 5-0 against the spread in their last five against Pac-12 teams. What are you seeing in this one?
1: Um, I honestly went down a rabbit hole because I couldn't believe that an FCS team had a stronger schedule than UCLA, but UC Davis <laughs> is 109th. They played at Cal at San- South Dakota state versus San Diego versus Weber state and at Montana state. So small margins there, but that's why <laughs> UCLA has played an easier schedule than UC Davis. Um, this game. Yeah. What I have it have it under five, wanted to bet it, uh, you know, if it was two and a half or something. Uh, I think the big deal for me was that with the uh, tight end, for Utah, who was out last week, they couldn't run like the 13 and 12 personnel sets. So it's not like you could just slot one of your tight ends to move up. It's like, hey, your um, your entire way you run your offense, especially your run game, you really can't do that as much. So th- I think there are more limitations on the Utah offense than we thought with um, Keithy out, I think is his name. He was their leading target uh, as well. So it looks like maybe they just had some issues kind of um, Getting the ball, moving the ball, uh, without having him on the field to be able to do those multiple sets and everything. Um, here, I think that uh, again within five would really like to bet this. Really like UCLA's offense. Their defense is the worst unit in this uh, in this matchup. They're tenth in offensive EPA, forty-first in defensive EPA, whereas Utah is seventh on offense and sixteenth on defense. So surprisingly balanced, uh, more so I think than than kind of my. Uh, in my head, priors would would take this would would slightly lean towards Utah, but yeah, I think the line has gotten a little too big there. Um, and uh, o- overall, I think this will be an informative matchup for actually what UCLA's defense does look like. Um, I, I'm inclined to believe that maybe they've been propped up a little bit, even when we're adjusting for opponent. Um, they're, they're 99th on third and fourth down success, whereas Utah is 15th on third and fourth down success on offense. So Utah should be able to sustain drive, should be able to get a lot of opportunities. I think they should win this, but if it was a, a little bit smaller, I'd take, I'd take Utah, but I, I'll lean to them at, at four and a half.
0: And that does make sense. Utah five and zero against the spread against UCLA in the last five matchups. They are 4-0 against the spread in LA against UCLA in the last four meetings. Uh, yeah, it, it tends to lean Utah, I, and I'm, I understand where you're coming from, Parker. I know that you're leaning that way. I'm I'm gonna lean UCLA. I like this offense. I like what DTR is doing. I'm gonna put some pizza money on it. We're not gonna make it official. Obviously, not gonna put a full unit on this thing. But yeah, I might. I'm gonna have a little bit on UCLA. I just I like how this team looks right now. They've got a lot of swagger about them. Of course, they're at home. Going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. Moving along, another sicko game, as you guys in the chat called it. Uh, Ball State at Central Michigan. Central Michigan, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at home in Mount Pleasant at Kelly Shorts Stadium. And the total sits at 64-and-a-half. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. It's 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Looks like Central Michigan's uh, Daniel Richardson, the quarterback, his shoulder issue has cleared up. Uh, Ball State, I mean, rocking and rolling, Parker. I'm I'm wanting to start with you on this one. Uh, Central Michigan won this by 20 last year on the road. Uh, what are your thoughts here?
1: Richardson playing, I think, matters a whole lot um, as to what I believe they can do on offense. Um, but I, I I do I will say that Ball State has been pretty good about like, hey, we're playing better than we should in any given uh, game here. Uh, looking at this, I, I have this Central Michigan. Um, by about nine, nine and a half, so pretty, pretty close to the line here. The the big issue for me is that both teams pass a lot early, uh especially on early downs. Ball State is fifth and rush rate over expected. Central Michigan is thirty-first, so neither neither is very good at efficiency. Ninety-second and ninety-fourth in passing EPA per play. Of course, Central Michigan's had a little bit uh rougher of a go of it. So, um, I, I don't have a good feel for kind of these MAC games, especially when you come in with like quarterbacks and. Uh, injuries and all that, so my numbers would slightly favor Central Michigan. They were uh, the uh, preseason G5 darlings, but have, have underwhelmed a little bit, uh, especially against G5 competition. So slightly towards Central Michigan, just because I think that they're a little better um, on offense and not that much worse on defense than than Ball State. But uh, this one, this one is is not one that I have a strong conviction on.
0: Moving over to Kyle, let me hit you with some trends right quick, my friend. Ball State 7-0 and against the spread their last seven trips to Mount Pleasant to face Central Michigan. Along with that, the road team in this matchup, the last 21 times these two teams have played, the road team is 17-4 and against the spread. That, that seemed like a pretty decent turn to you, Kyle.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the ones that are really long time ago don't matter that much to me. But yeah, recent <laughs> recent it has kind of stayed that way. But yeah, I mean, Ball State has been pretty good as an underdog in general. They've been a pretty good uh, program. I, I think uh, there's a couple keys in this one for me. Uh, Ball State 44-38 win over Northern Illinois last week. They come back to win. Uh, big comeback. Uh, Whaley ran for 230 yards for Northern Illinois, but they still came up short. They definitely miss uh, Northern Illinois. Does uh, they miss Rocky Lombardi quite a bit? Uh, this is a Ball State team that has been throwing the football a lot. Uh, I believe Paddock had like 60 passes or something like that. Uh, this is, they've been very pass heavy, and actually they are at their best when they just kind of decide that we're throwing it. You know, get get rid of the run. It's not working. Let's throw it. Uh, it's, and also Central Michigan's secondary is really bad. You know, if they have any strength on defense, it would be the front four. Uh, the secondary is not good. I, I think in this one, uh, my problem with Ball State, Ball State's defense the last couple of years takes an approach that I'm not a big fan of. They, they give up a bunch of successful plays at trying to prevent big plays. But, uh, you know, it's like uh, Parker says death by a thousand cuts. I mean, they just go over and over uh, giving up six, eight yards. They back way off, let you have, they're hoping somebody's going to make a mistake, which I'm not a big fan of that. I like being more aggressive. I don't like the passive defense. Um, I consider the over in this one. I do see a forecast of 15 mile per hour wins, which is uh, enough to at least make me uh, be cautious about that. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Central Michigan's offense, it's really surprising to me that they've been so bad of late. Um, their offensive line has c- completely fell apart. We know they had a couple really good offensive linemen go pro. Um, they ranked bottom 20 in run blocking grade and bottom 15 in pass blocking grade. I mean, Toledo stoned them last week. surprising for them to be down 31-3 to at halftime against a Toledo team that really hasn't been playing very well either. Uh, I think I would lean Ball State if I had to take a side, but uh, I like the over – If the weather's not too bad, uh, tough for me to see a big edge here.
0: I am going to ride with Ball State plus the eight and a half. I got it at nine, uh, but I like it at eight and a half as well. I think anything over a touchdown, I'm okay with. Uh, When I look at this game, Ball State passing offense is number 13 in uh, uh, success rate. And that's over the last four weeks. Central Michigan's pass defense, number 95 in that same metric. Uh, Ball State has an advantage when they throw the football here. John Paddock has over 1,500 yards passing already. 11 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Obviously, that's not a great ratio, but he has gotten a little bit better as the season has gone along. Uh, The other part of this, where you, Kyle, mentioned about uh, Central Michigan, or no, about Ball State's defense waiting for the other team to make a mistake, basically, Uh, Central Michigan is number 111 in giveaways per, uh, per game. They're number 119 in takeaways. So that is something to pay attention to. Obviously, it's still early in the season, and we know turnover luck it's just is what it is. Uh, but what we talked about just a second ago about the offense uh, moving up and down the field, yeah, I kind of expect that. Ball State is number 22 in the country in 10-plus yard plays. Central Michigan is number 25 in that same uh, metric there. I, Central Michigan has not impressed me at all. I don't know why they would be favored by nearly 10 points against anybody. Uh, and Ball State, I think, is a pretty good football team. Uh, What they did last week against Northern Illinois gave me a little bit of renewed faith in this team, Uh, so I'm going to ride with them. I like Ball State to cover the 8.5 at Central Michigan this weekend. making it official. Now, we've got one more to hit before we jump into the Q&A. You guys are fantastic. I see a ton of questions already. Chad, Lee, Anoop, Teller12, George, etc. Frank, you guys are awesome. Go ahead and hit that like button for us if you would so kindly. Let's dive into this one. An ACC matchup. Down in Miami Gardens. North Carolina heads to the Miami Hurricanes. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're ready to rock and roll with this one. Miami, a three-and-a-half point favorite. Juiced at minus 105 here. Uh, this one, the total sits at 66. It's at Hard Rock Stadium. I'm interested in what's going to happen here. North Carolina won this 45-42 to 42 last year. Uh, North Carolina, 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven against Miami. The underdog in this matchup, is 5-1 and one against the spread in the last six. Uh, Miami got to enjoy a bye week last week. Now, I'm, I'm going to toss this to Parker in just a second, but uh, they got thrashed by Middle Tennessee, just destroyed over the top. Um, the, the Miami offense has problems. Tyler Van Dyke was benched for Jake Garcia in that game. Multiple skill guys are injured right now. And when you look at what got them beat, I mean, it was passes of well over 70 yards multiple times against Middle Tennessee. Now you got Drake May and Co. coming in here. Uh, North Carolina is number 11 in the country in 30 plus yard passes. MTSU is number 26. So MTSU is not even as good at the one thing as North Carolina is. That's terrifying to me if I am a, uh, a Hurricanes fan. At, can UNC have success against the week? Miami secondary, absolutely. Josh Downs is all the way back. He had eight catches for 120 yards against Virginia Tech. For Miami, to me, it's whether or not the running back, Parrish, can keep Miami moving and not let North Carolina's offense on the field. Like, Miami's offense is number three in plays per game. They are number eight in uh, in less defensive plays, right? Uh, North Carolina is allowing 97 defensive plays per game. So you've got two uh, questionable defenses, for sure, and two offenses that – can be good. Uh, you know North Carolina's is good. We're not exactly sure what Miami's is. Uh, Parker, what are you seeing in this one?
1: North Carolina is like if you told me that Mac Brown was doing a weird science experiment to see like how good an offense could be and how bad a defense could be, <laughs> I would believe it. They're 6th in EPA per play on offense. They're 109th in EPA per play on defense. It's a very funny fact every time I remember that Gene Chizik is the UNC <laughs> defensive coordinator. <laughs> Um, But, I I mean, their offense is good. One thing that I like stylistically about their offense is that, like, Downs, I mean, he's been hurt in and out, but they've really found, you know, Nesbitt and and Pacer both have uh, almost 20 targets, Jones and Morales with 18, and Blackwell as well. So last year, Downs had 43% of team targets. They really didn't have secondary options. They've been getting into secondary options a little bit on um, defense there. I have them at uh, 30 and EPA per pass, 37 EPA per rush. The the, Miami's offense has been – Good in situations, but really bad at finishing drives. They're 34th in quality possession rate, but 118th in points per quality possession. Um, the good news is that North Carolina's defense is 104th in points per quality possession. So maybe Miami will be able to iron some of these things out. We see like the Texas a m game, for instance, I mean, Miami, Uh, on the merits basically could have won that game and uh, and just couldn't finish drives, kept kicking field goals and, and got the split there. So um, there's a ton, I talked about this a little earlier with another game, but there's a ton of volatility with North Carolina, just because their offense and defense are so vastly different, but there's not a lot to get excited about this Miami team. So um, my, my projection has this within a field goal. And so I would be inclined to put some pizza money in North Carolina, just because their offense is, legitimately good and their defense is comical i think they'll score a lot of points here and so i think that could be i think this could be like a wild absurd parody of a college football game um i'm my my numbers are pretty conservative and i have it going pretty far over the total here so i'd be inclined towards north carolina um and with the spread being so close a little bit of uh money on the, on the money line there not an official play just because there's so much variance with that defense and with a week off who knows what's inside miami's head but um Two very, very weird college football teams here.
0: Yeah, you, you are not wrong about that. <laughs> they are they are quite weird. Not sure exactly what you're going to get out of them from week to week. Moving over to Kyle here. Uh, interesting trend on this one. At North Carolina, 0-6 against the spread their last six bye games, like after the byes. Uh, really weird. In Miami, of course, 4-10 against the spread in their last 14 at home. Um what are you seeing as far as, I mean, we talked about this thing maybe getting pointy. Uh, what are you looking at in this one?
2: Yeah, um, I, if I were betting aside, I'd bet North Carolina just because I wouldn't trust laying points here with uh, Miami. And I see the chat talking about the hat game, and it has been a great angle somehow. But uh, North Carolina plus the points would be my look, and maybe even a uh bit on the money line here but i like the over better uh you know north carolina's defense are they really that bad yeah they are that bad i mean north carolina has a way of making games extremely high scoring uh drew pine and notre dame put up 45 points on them i don't think any of us would confuse them with like a really high powered offense Uh, Notre Dame had scored 10 21 and 24 points against ohio state marshall and cow notre dame had almost 600 yards of total offense in that game and uh you know north carolina's offense are they that good yeah they are they're really good uh drake may has been fantastic i don't know is it bad for me to say he's actually been an upgrade from sam howe last year i mean it's i I think it's true you know sam howe was very good but uh his form last year was not as good as what drake may has been so far this year um this is uh this is a guy that has an excellent uh grade at pff uh Drake May has been very good all year. Obviously, it helps having as good a wide receivers as he has. And North Carolina is eighth in the country in yards per play. They're first in explosiveness in the country. And Miami's defense is 130th out of 131 in explosiveness. They gave up three plays of 70 yards or more. I think two of them were in that Middle Tennessee game. And really, if you look at Miami's defensive numbers, they look pretty good for the year. But then you sit there and you say they played an FCS team, Southern Miss, Texas A&M, who's really bad on offense. And MTSU, and is MTSU really that good at offense? They're not near as good as they looked in that game. Uh, easily the best offense Miami's faced, not even close. Uh, I think Miami's offense still has enough skill position talent. I still think Van Dyke is a pretty good quarterback. Uh, he's not hes not had his top wide receiver, obviously, which hurts. But against his North Carolina defense, I still think they can do some damage because North Carolina's given up a lot to just about everybody. Miami playing pretty fast uh, North Carolina, 19th quickest in the country. I have to take the over in this one. So I'm going to be on over 66 here.
0: I I like it. I like it a lot because I think North Carolina is going to put up a bunch of points. Uh, look at what these two did last year. I mean, it was 45 to 42 just last season. Uh, that was a total in the eighties. And now we've got a total of 66 here. I don't think a whole lot's changed other than I think the defenses are actually worse than they were last year which is insane. So let's make it official. Kyle is going to ride with the over 66 on this one. Uh, and I, I do like Parker's idea of maybe putting a little bit of pizza money on North Carolina here uh, because I just don't know what Miami is going to be able to do to slow them down. Um, Cause that man, that secondary has got some questions. They, they just got some major questions for Miami. All right, gentlemen, it is time for the Q and a I'm excited We got quite a few people watching. We have hit 250. I bet we might can hit 300. Uh, All you guys that are watching that have not hit the like button, go ahead and do that for us if you would so kindly. And, of course, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Now, uh, we saw Throw a Dog a Bone talking about uh, his boss asking what Kyle liked this week. That's uh, entertaining to me. The fact that he's watching it at work, that's pretty awesome. Uh, The hat game and whatnot, which, by the way, Kyle, I went back to the research, your hat game is six and five against the spread thus far this season. So the hats, and that's just the hats, not the actual picks that you made on the games. Um, but the hats are six and five, and they are three and oh against the spread in the last three shows. Not too sure. Yeah, they're pretty hot right now. So four and one against the spread in the last five, but three and oh the last three. Gentlemen, we've got a lot of questions. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. Mikey Lobetz wants to know about Tulsa and Navy. Opened around six, moved to around four now getting hit the other way and back around six. If Davis Brin plays, he likes Tulsa to cover. Uh, Parker, I'm going to toss this one to you. I, I look at this. Tulsa has never done very well against Navy at all. Uh, they are 2-7-1 and one against the spread in the last 10, against the spread against, uh, against Navy, and they're 2-8 and eight straight up against Navy in the last 10. Uh, anytime they're favored over Navy, it's kind of a questionable situation. And that includes those Tulsa teams that were good on defense. Now I don't think Tulsa's all that great on defense. Uh, give me some thoughts here.
1: Yeah, I think the bookmakers did a good job on this one. I've got this about twenty eight to twenty two and a half. So um right right in line there. Uh certainly want to know about Davis brand before I put aside here. Also is Navy getting a little bit hot? Um, I think that they're, you know, kind of coming together a little bit here. The big thing to look at big, big, big splits in, uh, in, in style here, 24th and rush rate over expected for Tulsa, uh, 130th for Navy. So, um, we'll, we'll definitely be some pacing issues here and some differences slightly towards Tulsa, but Navy, you know, if, if Bren plays and, uh, but you know, Navy's, um, Maybe has a coach who historically has been able to get things together down the stretch of the season. So um, who knows if that's happening for them right now or not. They're, they're, both defenses are just abysmal 97th for Tulsa, 89th for Navy. So um, I think you can talk yourself into a couple of things here, but would slightly lean on Tulsa's offense to be a little bit better um, and kind of carry them. Uh, if I had to make a play.
0: Moving over to Kyle with this one, thoughts on USC and Washington state. Uh, this is from 5. A.M., uh, It's a pretty cool name, by the way. (laughs) Uh, He wants to know about USC and Washington State. Uh, When I looked yesterday, that line was at 11, and I was contemplating whether or not Washington State could slow down USC. Well, that thing has ballooned up to 13. Somebody steamed it today. Uh, Kyle, you got a a thought on USC at 13 over Washington State?
2: Yeah, and you talk about steam. How about the total? I mean, 60 and a half all the way up to 66. 66. I honestly considered the over here and uh, I was thinking about this one. And then yesterday it got steamed and went like four points, you know, in, in five minutes or something. So uh, somebody very respected, took the over. Uh, I, I can't take over 66. I don't, I don't think USC is, is um, complete enough of a team for me to want to lay 13 points with them. I think their defense still has enough questions. Uh, I'm, I'm going to lean Washington state, but not a game that I love.
0: David L. jumps in. I'd love to hear some thoughts on the Mountain West tilt between, uh, between San Jose State and UNLV. Can our Rebels stay hot in Sin City? Love the show. Uh, I'll start off with this, Parker. I, I'm going to toss it to you. This one terrifies me. I liked UNLV quite a bit in this, but San Jose State has got some dudes that are probably going to make some NFL rosters on defense. Uh, that defensive line, I think, is really good, and they are they are finding things on offense. Now, Cordero, the quarterback that transferred in from Hawaii, he is the quarterback, of course, of San Jose State, and their offense has looked really good the past few weeks. Uh, Parker, tell me, you got a, a feel on San Jose State, UNOV?
1: I would lean towards San Jose State, kind of, kind of like that San Diego trend from last year, where their defense was just so good. You were like, yeah, they'll figure it out. It'll be fine. There, they're they're pretty good in field position. Um, they're, they're seventh in net field position. So they're taking care of the special team stuff. Their defense is pinning guys back. And and so that's encouraging. UNLV is good and a fun story. But the reason that I worry about them against a good defense is they're 79th in rush rate over expected. So rushing the ball a lot. And they're 46th in EPA per pass. That's almost like a triple option team, right? Where it's like, hey, we're not going to pass until we absolutely have to and, and make it count. So I'm a little bit worried about the sustainability there. Um, San Jose State, yes, the offense is scoring more points. But last week, I mean... They they really struggled to sustain drives. They um they benefited from a safety and a um a twenty seven yard field off, off a turnover against Wyoming there. So, um I I think that they're you know they they're gelling a little bit, but I'm worried about their efficiency still very low in the metrics overall. Hundred seventeenth on offense. So, um are they taking steps forward? That only helps them just because their floor is so high with the defense. If they could figure it out, I think we're talking about a different San Jose State team. So I actually have this um. As a San Jose State uh, cover, but their offensive struggles this season on aggregate have kind of scared me off of it. So, slightly towards San Jose State, but I, I really, yeah, UNLV's been a little bit flighty. Who knows if they can put something together?
0: Moving over to this next one, Kyle, just very quickly, Joshua Martin jumps in. What is the bet on the SMU game against UCF on Wednesday?
2: <laughs> um. I mean, SMU has all sorts of questions, right, based on uh, all the news going on around but about them. I, I would have wanted SMU, and I know they were three-and-a-half dog uh, for a while. Now we have three and even some two-and-a-half two showing up. So I don't know. I think I'd probably lean to the over. So if I had to make a bet in that game, uh, 64 is pretty high, but I, I think there'll be enough offensive success there.
0: Yeah, that's uh, the latest news, of course, with SMU, talking about guys wanting to sit out to – uh, preserve a red shirt in case not in case because they do want to transfer but they can't enter the transfer portal right now because the window doesn't open until the end of the season it's, it's just a mess just a mess so I'd, i would stay away from that if you have not already bet it uh, but you you know I, I would roll with kyle with the total as opposed to betting aside on this because you're not really sure what you're going to get at this point uh let's see javen Shuey. Shoey, man i hope i said that right uh or maybe javon i'm not man my apologies. I'm not good on these uh, <laughs> these quick names. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Duke-Georgia Tech game. Uh, I will take this one, guys. Uh, I looked over this one multiple times because that line seemed way, way too small, and my numbers on it were really close to a pick'em. em uh, Georgia Tech does have a relatively talented roster. At some point, I feel like Duke is going to come back down to earth. Uh, I don't know what to expect out of Georgia Tech now because what they did at Pitt last week was – it's something they have not looked like at all this season. If you go back to the Clemson game, they didn't look that bad against Clemson. There were a few mistakes that they made, and it just kind of steamrolled on them late. But that was against Clemson. Uh, this is Duke that we're talking about here. Uh, Georgia Tech gets to come back home after a big-time road win, their first win over an AP-ranked team on the road since 20, what, 2016, I think is right, against uh, Virginia Tech. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to roll with Duke on this one. I'm just not. Kyle, Parker, either one of you are going to ride Duke this week?
2: No, no, and and 90% of the bets on Duke. Everybody's going to bet Duke here, right? But uh, tricky game. You know, Pitt with a terrible showing in that game last week. and Narduzzi's team seem to have these every so often, you know, a couple times a year. Uh, Duke laying three on the road against a team that, like Gary said, has some talent. Uh, I think it's a good pass.
0: Most certainly. Frank D'Amico. Uh, K-State Nope, never mind. We're hitting that tomorrow. (laughs) We're hitting that one tomorrow. Alex Trimbley, uh, Oregon State, Stanford. Uh, Stanford is a seven-point dog. Can Stanford win straight up? Uh, Parker, you got any faith in Stanford this week?
1: I'm losing my faith in Stanford uh, very, very quickly. Um, I I, I don't know that they have an identity, and I don't know that they have a lot to – like. Uh, it's it's like last year. Okay. The, um, Hey, the the offense is banged up. Like maybe Tanner McKee is better than they, than he looks. And you know, the vision's all going to come together. Um, I I have this by almost nine points for Oregon state. Um, They're a little flighty on, on their, their, their defense I think is a little bit better than it looks. And they, they have huge splits on both sides. Oregon state does 35th in EPA per pass, 78th in EPA per rush on offense, 29th in EPA per pass, 111th in EPA per per rush on defense. So um, Stanford, maybe could try and move the ball They're you know, marginally better 42, 42nd in EPA per rush compared to 51st in EPA per pass. But the Stanford defense is so bad. I think Oregon state's going to score pretty easily against them. Um, uh I, I don't think I have any faith in Stanford here.
0: <laughs> I, tend to, here. I tend to agree. Yeah, Kyle, real, what you got?
2: Real quick, um, Stanford 0 and eleven against the spread in their last eleven games against an FBS opponent. I Oof. I I think they're almost unbettable at this point.
0: Yeah, I think I think so. Uh we did have Max jump in and said uh uh Nolan might be out for that game, but I mean, Nolan's thrown four interceptions uh in each of the last two games, so like it does it get worse? I mean <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not I'm not certain. Uh George jumps in Q&A on Two Lane under 53 uh is the Two Lane quarterback playing if not ECU in the under looks good. It looks like Michael Pratt is actually going to be back this week. Uh I think he actually could have played last week. Parker, you might correct me if I'm wrong on this. I think they said that he was available last week. They just decided to hold him out at the last minute.
1: Um He went through drills and dressed out and looked like he was fine and so i think it was just hey we're not going to risk it if we don't have to um kind of a situation and uh and so i think i think he should be back um yeah yeah
0: all right so kyle move it over to you uh what do you think on tulane here uh under 53 on this one
2: i i don't i don't know what to bet here on the total i think that's a good number um on the side i would lean east carolina i think tulane coming off that massive win uh east carolina these are two well coached teams so i think this is an interesting matchup but i think east carolina is kind of a uh, sneaky good underdog team and and the the world's probably going to be betting on two lane in this game so i think you might see a three and a half so maybe wait it out catch a three and a half with east carolina hey pirates steal things
1: man yep pirates steal things that's
2: right they
0: certainly do uh especially down on the baggie right uh, Raphael jumps in, uh, want to take Coastal Carolina. Do we have any thoughts guys? Coastal is playing Louisiana Monroe. Last I saw it was like 14 and a half. Um, Kyle, you, you got a thought on this one. Uh, Coastal, it just seems to skate by everybody and you announced uh, Now it's down to 14. Uh, look, Louisiana Monroe is not an awful team. Um, I just, I wonder about Coastal. Like if, if they maybe get bored sometimes. I'm not sure what to think of Jamie Chadwell's bunch. Uh, Kyle, let's get you to answer this one. Um, yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on
2: Coastal Carolina here? Uh, I mean, when when you said 14 and a half, I was thinking I might take uh, Monroe there at 14 and a half. 14, it's getting a little bit close. Um, Coastal hasn't really shown me anything that I would want to be laying the points with them. I'm just not excited to bet uh, Monroe either. Uh, I think I would lean to the over in that game, but I don't. I don't love anything about that one.
0: Yeah, Louisiana Monroe got beat by 17 at Arkansas State last week. So, you know, uh, but this one's at home. And Louisiana Monroe, I mean, the last time they were at home, they beat Louisiana outright. So, yeah, tricky situation there. Uh, Parker, Heath jumps in. Do you like Ole Miss minus 18 against Vandy?
1: What do you think? No, no. (laughs) I think – Okay, I'm not going to use the number. I'm going to logic logic on this one. I'm not even going to use the number. Uh, o- Ole Miss, I think, just wants to run the ball and go home. I don't think that they're interested this season in any kind of like big play, run it up, whatever. Vanderbilt's not not great, but also Vanderbilt does have a competent offense in the sense that like they're running plays and building off of them and. And I think that uh, Vanderbilt should move the ball a tiny bit against Ole Miss. Also huge letdown spot. Last week, they sh- they got outplayed by Kentucky. They had negative success rate. There was you know some turnovers. I think that um, Ole Miss is due for, for a letdown here. I certainly don't want to uh, bet on Vanderbilt, but it does feel like Ole Miss is just content to take the W and move on. So I'm not really inclined to bet them to cover a big spread against a bad team. Um, that kind of goes back into last week's rant about betting about garbage time they're not quite there yet but um but i i really don't trust Ole miss not to just sit on this one and run and get out of there
0: yeah max jumped in and said massive sandwich spot for Ole miss uh i don't i don't know about that uh they they host auburn next week no they don't always beat auburn but auburn isn't hey maybe i'm maybe i'm reading it wrong but i just i don't feel like this is a game that they're targeting Ole Miss is, uh, but as far as the letdown spot, absolutely, Parker. I think you're right on this. Uh, the only team that Ole Miss has played that had any bit of a competent passing offense really was Tulsa, and
1: he gave up the yardage.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if Vandy's able to get the ball through the air a little bit, I mean, maybe like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we we got our uh, we got our our chat bots back in here again. It looks like, Uh, so I guess that means it's time for one more. George jumps in Q and a middle Tennessee state plus nine against UAB. Seems like MTSU can score UAB cannot Uh, heading over to Kyle with this one. Kyle, you got a thought on, on MTSU.
2: I I mean, MTSU with that really impressive win over Miami, but uh, I wonder if that kind of overrates them in the marketplace. Uh, I I still don't think middle Tennessee is that good. Uh, I think I would bet UAB if I was betting this game.
0: And most well, that's see that's another tricky one, because you don't know what you're going to get out of UAB week sure. in and week out. It seems like I mean they just got beat by Rice last week, uh, and that was partially due to a fumble recovery that was run back and just a mess. I mean the UAB would have never covered in that game, but still just a mess. All right, I think that that I think that that is going to wrap it up. All right, gentlemen, let's dive into our picks of the week, our best bets, if you will. Parker, let's start off with you. What you got for us?
1: Got a couple Texas bets this week. Going to take Texas minus seven, TCU minus seven, and uh, I'll round it out as a trio favorite with Mississippi State minus eight.
0: Just rolling with the chalk this week. I can understand, and none of it has to do with rock chalk. So uh, I'm going to ride TCU to cover seven at Kansas. I like Akron plus 11 in Athens, Ohio, and I like Ball State plus eight and a half at Mount Pleasant against Central Michigan. Kyle, what you got?
2: I'm going to take Georgia State minus three against Georgia Southern. And then I'm going to take North Carolina and Miami over 66.
0: I like it. All right. I believe that that is going to wrap things up. Everybody that's watching, go ahead and hit that like button for us one more time. We are this close to 300, and we would certainly appreciate hitting that for the first time during a live show. Uh, But along with that, make sure that you like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. Of course, that's going to tell you when we're going live. And that would be every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Which means, since today is Tuesday, we got another show again tomorrow. So hopefully you will all join us right back here again tomorrow. If you missed the live show, you can always come back and watch it here on YouTube or over at BetUSTV.com. Or, again, you can listen to it on the podcast, the BetUS Football Show, any of your favorite podcast apps. Make sure you are subscribed there and that you leave a nice five-star review. With that said, I think it's time for us to get out of here. You guys, of course, jump in the comments, leave your picks, etc., And let's do this thing for BetUS, where the game begins. God bless college football, and we'll see you all again tomorrow.